0: Uh, my name is Nicholas Augusto. I played Sam Lawton on Final Destination 5. Do not go
1: out there. Don't you dare go out there. Don't... No, I said... Stop, please. No, wait. No, hold on. I have one more thing to say before you go. Don't go out there. How did you know? I, I just... Oh... You went out there. You went right out there. Why'd you do that? You all just be careful now. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to. The Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. Really appreciate all support. You guys are awesome. It's prime, Before man. we get into tonight's film review, I just want to give a quick shout out to our website. Everything about our podcast is on our website. Uh, Brian's done a fantastic job with it. Uh, we've got all of our episodes and interviews from episode one to the newly released episodes. Uh, If you we've done several great interviews with horror legends, definitely check out that interviews tab. If you want to find the interviews a lot quicker, it takes a long time to scroll through 200 plus episodes on Spotify and iTunes. So uh, the interviews tab is much more convenient. I would say Uh, we also have some new t-shirts out on our store Uh, throwback to like some PlayStation discs. They look awesome. Go check those out. We also have Shans Etsy page attached as well. Her tumblers, needless to say, are selling like hotcakes. Definitely check them out. Keep Shan busy. And last thing I'm going to shout out on our website is all of our social media links, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Follow us, like us, subscribe us. Uh, We love interacting with our fans, uh, reading your questions and comments on the air. Uh, We've gotten to know a lot of great people all over the world through this podcast, and it really blows my mind that we get comments from Canada, Ireland, Australia, Australia, Indiana, California, you know, just we're in Florida and Tennessee. So it's very humbling to have so many people across the world uh, talking to us. And I'm going to shout out our, our blood donors. It's our form of a Patreon. We have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind. Uh, really helps us out a lot. And I just want everyone to know that all of your donations go directly back into the podcast. Does not go into our pockets. Uh, times are tough right now. I, I get it 100%. But all of your donations are very helpful to us, and we truly appreciate it. And I also want to give a shout-out to our one-time donation. Let's say you're a big fan. Uh, we call it Legendary Blood Donor Tier. You got a movie you want us to review? Uh, that We have that option available as well. Uh, tonight, we're kicking off what we call 31 Month. Uh, we got the past two years for, on this podcast, we've picked some franchises, and we ranked them near the end of October for Halloween. And so we decided, you know, I pitched to the group, hey, why don't we take this open month to pick some of those movies since we have to watch all of them. We might as well get some reviews out of it. We're kicking tonight off with Brother Brian's pick of Final Destination 5. And stay tuned at the end of this episode for a little tidbit from the, one of the stars of the movie, Nicholas DeGusto. Go ahead, Brian
3: yeah that that that's going to be worth sticking around so so please do he he you know gave us a little bit of a tidbits he he said he couldn't come on the show right now but it was uh, nice enough to give us a little bit of that so um but as far as this movie you know i'd be trying to force this movie into some of our theme months i tried even asking uh, if uh, because of the twist does it count as a reboot technically because i really wanted to pick this movie last month <laughs> um but, you know, since since I'd watched it for the first time a few months ago, I really wanted to pick this. Uh, I love this movie. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I had no idea about the twist at all. Um, so I was, you know, one day going through the franchise and got to this one. And I even told uh, Patrick Moroni this during our interview. Check that out at uh, Doggooutthere.com and buy his book. Um, anyway, I told him that I thought that this was way better than it had any business being. And he uh, vehemently agreed. Um, and this may be a hot take, but this is my favorite in the franchise. I mean, I said it. Yes, it's formulaic, um, but I think that this has some of the best acting in the franchise. And I think the entire the entire thing, the entire franchise benefited from New Blood behind the scenes after that absolute horseshit that was Final Destination 4. Um, Eric Heisserer wrote this one, who I just got finished giving one of his earlier scripts and. uh nightmare on elm street the remake a whopping three a couple of weeks ago um but steven Quayle uh, directed it who fun little fact was in titanic and pearl harbor as uh basically an uncredited actor but it was cool that he was in it but anyway i love it um i'm sure for the second straight week i will be massively higher on the rating than the rest of my co-hosts but uh by the way good to have you back mileage money married mike nice to have you back go ahead buddy (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah, sorry I missed last week. Uh, vacation, all I ever wanted. Vacation had to get away, you know. Uh, so, look, okay. I I like this movie. I think it's, you know, like you said, it's very formulaic. It kind of follows the pattern of all the ones that come before. But I do think it does enough from a story standpoint to keep me entertained and to keep me interested. Something I really like about the movie is this cast. Like you mentioned, you know, Nick D'Agosta. I think he's pretty good in it. He He's in one of my favorite Guilty pleasure movies, which is fired up the, 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 the male cheerleader movie that, that that's, I think a movie's hilarious. Uh, he's in that it has, I mean, it has Tony Todd, which, you know, all I'm going to say is fingers crossed there. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Miles Fisher's in uh, a few things and it's got my man. This is a thing I didn't remember because I've only seen this movie one other time is Courtney B. Vance is in this movie as a detective. My man it's Johnny Cochran in The People versus O.J. Simpson. I knew it. I, was like, I couldn't place a finger on what else I knew him from. And Johnny Cochran, glove don't fit, you must acquit. Uh, no, so again, I like the plot of this movie. Um, and it really does enough to bring it back around to the first movie, which, again, we'll get there. But, I, I mean, there's enough little Easter eggs um, from the first one. The second one that kind of keep me uh uh-huh, and I know what that is, you know, that kind of thing. And so I think, look, this movie suffers a little bit from uh, some of the three D effects it tries to pull off when you don't watch it in three D. I think some of the CG is really, really bad. Their practical stuff is still pretty good, but the CG blood and a few of the other shots I think are Are pretty rough like you know when the when when the eyeballs kind of dangling here in a little bit we'll get to it it looks terrible uh i I think we'll get to it but i i mean a good mixed bag but as far as a final destination movie i think it's perfectly fine it's certainly better than the one that came before it because that movie is a pile of dog shit lit on fire set with you know gasoline so like i mean it's definitely better than that, and and I'm excited to talk about it. And I'm glad you picked it because, you know, when you have to do these thirty-one on thirty ones, it's a big undertaking. If you haven't seen any of these movies, or if you have to refresh, and this gives me a chance to kind of refresh, you know, instead because I've seen it, but it gave me a chance to kind of dig back in. And I I remember liking it less than I did this most recent watch.
2: All right, I'll go next. Um, I thought the movie was okay. Honestly, I don't think it was. It's definitely not my favorite in the franchise, but I think it's okay. Uh, honestly, I wrote this in my little summary at the end. I feel like after I watched four and then I watched five, I kind of felt like after I rewatched three, four, and five a couple weeks ago. And after three, I kind of just, and I hate to say, it, but I'm kind of just grew tired of the, the novelty of the franchise. Death is just killing people with all these extravagant ways, which I'm just a hypocrite, I guess, because I love Saul and the traps, but... Some things work for you and some things don't. Uh, I think this movie is okay. Uh, like they said, the cast, I like a lot of the cast, Tony Todd, uh, keep that name in your mind. Don't go out there. Listeners just a sneak peek there. Possibly, uh, David K- uh, Ketchner, Ketchner, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, he's got some great kills in this movie. Sneak peek on that, but I just have some nitpicks on us That just bother me. And I will get on, I'll touch on it all later. Uh, but I'm just excited that we're doing this 31 month. Uh, I'm glad the guys all were cool with this, but cause I just felt like after last year we did, we watched, you know, 31 movies for a ranking. I feel like, Hey, let's review some of them, you know, while we're rewatching all of them, let's talk about them, go more a little in depth. So I'm excited to do that for this whole month. Uh, Dustin, what'd you think?
5: Yeah. Um, so if y'all, if you guys remembered listeners and co-hosts alike, uh, I believe, Final destination may have been my first movie that I picked, uh, when I joined the show. And so I like the franchise. That being said, I hadn't seen this one until recently. Uh, and it is head and shoulders above part four and better than part three as well. It's still not as good. I don't want to give away 31 on 31 just yet, but I don't like it as much as the first two in the franchise, but it's a solid improve, a vast improvement over part four and part three. Um, it's, it's pretty good. I agree with what Mike said a lot. Uh, the CG looked pretty damn bad at times, but I get it. They had to do go overboard with some things because it was intended for 3D. So taking that in consideration, okay, that's fine. But I thought the blood throughout the movie looked like shit. It was just not the right color. It looked cartoonish, so that was bad. Uh, there's some pretty good kills in it. There's some uh, shitbag characters. Um, it, it, it's, it's kind of all over the place in that regard. Cause some of the characters, the, the two lead characters, I think I like as much, if not more as any of the lead characters in the franchise, but then you take a step below that and you look at the bad characters, uh, in the main group and God, they fucking suck. So that is what it is. Um, I think it's a, it's a fun movie. It's a fine movie. I don't, I don't have any heavy criticisms towards it other than, you know, I'll get through my nitpicks when we do the scene by scene. But uh, I think it's it's a pretty okay movie.
4: Dustin, really quick, you mentioned the blood, and I kind of forgot. I mean, I touched on the CG, but something I kept telling myself, and I watched it twice now, something I kept telling myself is the the blood that Man Bear Pig shoots out on South Park should not look better than the blood from Final Destination 5. So that was definitely a negative, but, I, I mean, it didn't take away from the movie, and it definitely wasn't like that pink blood from the from Saw 3D or anything, so... I, yeah, I, I agree with that. Okay.
5: South, blood, South Park Blood did look better, and I'm super serial.
2: Super serial. May <laughs> be our pig? I'm sorry. All right, y'all got any more opening thoughts before we jump into the scene-by-scene? No,
3: I wonder, since you just brought that up, I wonder if the Blood thing has to do with just the fact that it's 3D. I mean, so
5: do I. Mean, I. It probably does. you have a
3: red yeah Lins? Yeah. I mean, maybe
5: yeah well even even the newer 3d when you don't have the colored lenses yeah, you know just the, the glasses look like sunglasses the colors do pop differently so that probably does have okay damn it i'm sorry final destination five makers i, I didn't mean to shit on it that bad you knew what you're doing <laughs> well it
4: wasn't that it just doesn't age. it's just one of those things that didn't age well it it happens yeah. you know also my final
2: thought is whammy shout out to
5: crampy good old todd stuff. packer <laughs>
2: All right, uh, let's jump into the scene by scene. The film starts with a title card to an upbeat rock tune with opening credits among shattering glass with items like logs and beams breaking through them. We're at a company breakfast that Sam put together at Presage. Peter says this is amazing, but his sales report isn't good. Peter says you got to decide whether you want to be a chef or a salesman. Sam walks up to Molly and asks about her canceled ticket. It's his brother's wedding. He wants to talk about this now. She says we're not working out and he's devastated. Candace walks up to Peter giving him kisses and he says I love you, but this is business. You're still an intern, but be prepared to break that 1230 curfew. Olivia shows up looking like a rock star as she's dropped off by her boyfriend. Olivia and Candace share some insults as she takes her shirt off right out in the open. Isaac offers to listen to Molly as he takes a call and walks away. Dennis the boss shows up and gets Sam's name wrong he was then scolded by Dennis for correcting him. Dennis tells Pete, we can't recycle wasted time. Sam volunteers to go get Nathan. He runs into the warehouse and we see Nathan arguing w- with Roy. A supervisor breaks up an argument with Nathan and Roy. Sam and Nathan talk about his gig at a restaurant in Paris. Nathan says, if you go to Paris, take Roy with you. Sam boards the bus last as he stares at watch your step message on the bus step. We see a sign saying bridge construction as they all ride this bus. Isaac calls all his co-workers idiots and goes to the bathroom to take a call. Sam is weirded out when he sees a log truck drive beside them. Sam takes a deep breath after seeing the construction on the bridge. Sam cuts his finger on the seat in front of him and the wind picks up swiftly. Sam tells Peter something's wrong. And there's a lot of chaos going on this next scene, but I'm going to try and do my uh, justice as best as I can. The bridge begins to crack and cave in. Sam grabs Molly and others exit the bus swiftly. Candace is the first to die, falling below and spearing the top of a boat sail. Isaac exits the bathroom and sees the bus falling below. He's pulled to the front and is killed when the bus hits the water. Chaos on the bridge. Molly walks across this steel beam to safety. Olivia can't see after she loses her glasses. Sam guides her to the beam but she falls to the water below. She's killed when a car falls on top of her. Nathan is killed when a cable hits him as he runs across the bridge. Dennis is next as hot tar burns him up and he falls into the water below. Peter jumps across an opening and Sam follows behind him, catching some railing. Peter is killed as rebar falls and impels him through the face and body and he splats below. Sam is cut in half by sheet metal when he comes to. He cuts his finger and hears the song. Sam immediately says, we all got to get off the bridge. It's going to collapse. He raises a panic and tells Molly to follow him, and they both exit the bus. Dennis has Peter go after them. Den- Dennis tries to calm everyone now. Candace follows after them. Olivia, Isaac, Nathan, and Dennis now see the bridge falling apart, and they take off running. Get off the bus, Dennis yells. They all take off running and make it to safety. They watch the bridge collapse in horror. How did you know, Peter asks. All right, Brian, that's the opening set of scenes. What do you think?
3: Yeah, man, we uh, we touched a little bit on the 3D, but and I don't think I ever said this before in anything that we've done, but I personally hate the 3D trope in any movie. Uh, The movies give me a migraine. Plus, you just have things that like stand out like y'all were talking about earlier is just silly because you can tell that like they were made for 3D. And I mean, that definitely applies to this movie and especially these credits. Um, Now, with that said, the references in this movie to the other movies uh, in the franchise, I absolutely love. Um, And that starts right here with these credits. I talked in the opening about this cast a little bit. Uh, Mike touched on it, too. I think it's a good possibility the best actors and actresses in the entire franchise. I think everyone did a good job. Shout out to Miles Fisher, who has a striking resemblance to Tom Cruise and actually played him in that spoof superhero movie. But... Friend of the show, Nicholas DeGasto, who was kind enough, like you talked mentioned earlier, to do the opening for us and a little bit of tidbit after the after the show. But uh, he actually gave us a little behind-the-scenes story uh, about Fisher, who's a musician, and did this incredible, say, by the Bell-themed music video using the cast of this movie. And they all die in, like, Final Destination ways. It's phenomenal. Check it out. It's, it's just called New Romance and has, like, 1.5 million views on YouTube right now. Um, it's fantastic. Um, other friend of the show, David Keshner, who's uh, is building in the movie or in that little music video. It's funny. Um, anyway, I love the opening, and uh, what I really like about it, like about this entire thing, that makes it stand out from at least a few of the previous installments, is the character development. Like they aren't just like meat bags uh, set putting the movie to die um heiser really tried to develop these characters and it stands out to me and part of really why i like this one a lot and the bridge opening wow uh first of all it's the longest opening disaster in the entire series at four minutes and 44 seconds but to me personally it kept my attention the whole time like the effects were a little hit and miss like we've talked about before but for the most part i really liked how they had a nice mix between practical and cg um, shout out to Christopher Clark and just the entire makeup department. Um, some of these kills were unique as hell and I loved them. Uh, a few goofs though, like when Wolf of Wall Street's PJ Burns, his, uh, his Isaac is falling in the bus. He's falling the wrong way. He definitely would, would be falling towards the back of the bus there if it's going down, but you know, gravity. But you can also clearly see that it's definitely not New York in the background. Um, it's actually Vancouver, but they didn't do anything to even hide that at all. Last shout out that that kind of stood out to me was was Jacqueline uh, McInnes-Wood, who's playing Olivia. She looked genuinely petrified, crawling across the beam on that bridge, shaking, the whole thing. Nice little acting touches that, that make the movie stand out in that regard to me anyway. But so many great parts to this, including all the little quote, signs, you know, on the way. I know this is the formula for the franchise. And, you know, Nico has a, has a, has a point. And I made that exact point about, uh, I don't remember, I think when we were watching part four, when we were doing part four's review about watching the Friday the 13th franchise in order and then just kind of getting a little bit tired, the same exact thing over and over. So I, I completely understand that. I, I do get it. Um, but to me, like this formula, it hits just a little bit different to me in this installment. Because of the character development, but again, my only complaining was some of the 3D tropes. But anyway,
4: yeah, you mentioned the cast, and I mentioned it in my open. Uh, I think it does make this movie just a little stronger than than some of the others in the franchise. Uh, Dustin mentioned the main characters being, you know, likable and you know, kind of e- or easy to relate to. I mean, I, I think we've all been through, you know, a relationship that seems good, but you know, sometimes it's you know on the rocks here and there and stuff like that. So easily relatable, Molly and Sam are. So right off the bat, you know, that kind of pulls you in to the story with that character development. Uh, (laughs) This is formulaic in a way where there's always kind of those two that you like. Then you got the one that you're not so sure about. Then you got the one that doesn't believe anything that's going on uh, or, you know, buy into anything. And then you got the, the quote unquote bitch. And then you got the guy that's an ass. Like it's got the same kind of stereotypical. Final Destination characters, but I do think each of them bring a little something, you know, to their character. So I'll give them credit on that. Um, so this opening little scene here just kind of establishes who everybody is and and who is in what role. And I think they play them pretty well. Um, but you know, the bulk and majority of this set of scenes is the stuff on the bridge. And I got to be honest, man, it's probably my favorite scene within the franchise, just in general um i you know and there's some good there's some bad cg i will admit that right off the bat i talked about it in my open the quote-unquote death of candace is pretty freaking rotten (laughs) but i understand that the 3d blood kind of takes that down a notch but there's some really good stuff here i love the way it's shot and it's kind of a trope of final destination where it'll focus on one little single thing and kind of hone in on it for a little bit and then come back out with the camera that effect they do it later with the screw on the balance beam too. Um but it it works really well on this bridge. I love the atmosphere that it gives. Um you know these premonitions become a little old and stale as you watch them all in a row. Luckily I didn't watch them all in a row. This time I just watched this movie and I thought it played really, really well. Um and again I I hear this complaint a lot with this franchise that you know, half the movie is dream, you know, or like the first big thing of the movie every time is a dream. It's not a dream. It's 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 somebody seeing the future that's going to happen and then it actually happens. And so I think that makes this stand out a little bit. Again, I love everything on the bridge, um, the fake out one and the real one. Like I think it all works really well. And they bring, you know, Molly being, care. you know, Molly making it across and living in the premonition. They bring that back around. That's not something that's a very small thing you probably wouldn't even notice if you didn't know to look for it. And then, but, but then they make it tie back in. So I like that they're at least, you know, tying up loose ends in the script and making it all make sense. Cause the one that came before it doesn't do any of that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not a well-written script. Sorry. Not that I could write any better. I don't think, but um, yeah, again, really, really solid stuff here. Great way to open the movie. I still think it's probably the best scene in the franchise, in my opinion, so really, really good stuff. And you know, you mentioned the mix of practical and CG. You know, um, my man Whammy hanging off the back of the Brit. Like I think all oh, that's good. The you know the burn prosthetics, all oh, that's good. Like there's just some really fun stuff if you know what to look for and you've seen the behind the scenes. Um, you, you know, bad You know, bad CG aside, they did still stick with most of the stuff from the first two, which is mostly done practically. And so they kind of kept in that tradition. But obviously, when you push a movie as a 3D into theaters, you just have some of this stuff that doesn't age well when you watch it on the uh, on the HBO Max app, because that's where I watched it. I promise. On to you, Dustin. <laughs> All
5: right, yeah. So I I, I do like the uh, title card and opening credit sequence. I thought that was really cool and well done. Uh, it's got a great score. Um, then we get to the paper company. The name of the company, like Nico said, presage. Uh, it's kind of funny because presage—the definition of the word presage—is literally a sign of uh, something bad or an omen. So that's that's kind of cool. Um, you mentioned Dollar Store, Tom Cruise. Something about him, man, he really irks me. Like he just—I get it. He's very talented, and, and and I agree that music video is awesome. Uh, he also has one where he uh, does a parody of American Psycho. They're fantastic. And but it's just something about his face. I, I can't really put my finger on it, but she's got one of those faces I don't like. Anyway, um, pretty much all these characters suck. Like I said, they're just not likable people. Isaac is an obnoxious douche and he's just not like he's a he's a caricature of a real person. Like, no, 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 he's not. That's not believable to me. He's no no one that looks like that is going to act like that and not get the shit beat out of him. So, I don't believe it. And he's walking Um, around here
3: giving IT guys a bad name. So, fuck you, Isaac. (laughs) Uh,
5: Dennis is that typical asshole boss. uh, You know, calls him Stan and does... What's my name? That's right. You know, it's just... That's annoying. (laughs) Roy's a piece of shit (laughs) in the warehouse. Which I think it's funny that uh, Todd Packer is working for a paper company and there's a Roy in the warehouse. So, shout out to all my Office fans. That's pretty cool. Uh, But I just hate them all. Nathan and Sam are tolerable characters, likable characters. Even Sam, even even Sam's girlfriend, like, come on, man, you're just going to show up before you go on this retreat and break up with him? Like, what a bitch. Um, I do like how uh, the construction sign had a ripped decal on it as they're driving towards the bridge. Like, they, sh- they show the sign that says there's work up ahead, and uh, the decal that was on the bridge it was, like, ripped, so it looked like the bridge had a hole in it. That was a pretty cool touch. Um, nice little foreshadowing. And what's with people? It's a theme in this movie. People like cutting themselves and then sticking their finger in their mouth. Like, dude yes. cut his yes. thumb on the nasty-ass bus seat and immediately stuck his thumb in his mouth. Like, what? Well, I get it. This is a pre-COVID world. But, you know, other diseases existed back then. I'm not doing that. That's gross. I thought
3: about that too. Um, Gus, and I think it's like just a fucking, like, it's just a trope, you know, like. It's like one of those movie tropes to where it's like, yeah. oh, man, I hurt my oh, I hurt my stomach. It, but it's it does not work. It stood out to me, too, man. I agree.
5: And, and, like, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm in the minority. But it definitely is a movie thing. Like, yeah. have you ever cut your finger in real life and immediately stuck your finger like, ooh, and stuck not your a finger a in your mouth? I've never chance all right, yes, yeah, so, I mean, this, who, who does that? Who cuts himself, puts his finger in the mouth? Anyway, um, you could definitely tell, like we've all said, this movie was made for 3D. Candace's death just looked ridiculous. Like, when she fell on top of that, uh, what, uh, whatever the fuck it's called, the sail pole on the uh, sailboat. I know that that's not the correct terms. I don't give a shit. I'm not rich enough to have a sailboat. I'm not Mike, Brian, and Nico. Um, but, like, her guts poking through just looked terrible. Um, and you mentioned... Brian, that that bridge is actually in Vancouver. It's, that's actually the Lionsgate Bridge, and that bridge is where Lionsgate film, like where they get their name. So that's kind of cool because they're based out of uh, Vancouver as well. Um, death by Chrysler LeBaron through the face. What a fucking way to go! <laughs> like imagine falling <laughs> off a bridge, landing in the water, and which in real life that would probably kill you. And if it didn't kill you, you'd probably be paralyzed because hitting water from that high would shattered your bones most likely but let's let's say you somehow survive that and then a fucking chrysler the baron just falls through your face damn um, face.
4: it couldn't even be a phantom <laughs> fuck man
5: hell no man uh chrysler baron always makes me think of what what movie is that with ashton kutcher is that cheaper by the dozen where he has a chrysler baron anyway um Dennis had a fucking rough death, man. Hot tar burning your face off, like that's brutal. I thought it looked great, like you guys mentioned. That's practical effects. He had some prosthetics put on, and I thought it just looked fantastic. Um, Peter's death effects looked pretty bad too, though. Uh, just like the blood just looked bad, the colors off. And then when he falls and he splatters on the uh, the base of the bridge there before he goes in the water, I like that he hit that before going straight in the water. Like as a nice little touch but just the blood splatter looked awful and then one last thing uh, so this was a good set of scenes I do like it but there is an error in this if you look closely while they're on the bridge there's a 2009 Volkswagen uh, Jetta on the bridge and this movie took place in, as we come to find out in the year 2000 so that's an error there but overall it's a good set of scenes it's a very enjoyable opening sequence for a Final Destination movie and uh, I'm I'm in at this point.
4: You mentioned that a uh, uh, Dustin and I read that online as well but for the most part, I think they did a really good job of subtly giving clues that the movie wasn't of its time. Like the big cell phone that Old Dickface has. Like oh, yeah. they do a pretty good job because when you're watching it, it looks so modern. But there's like little things once you go back, and we're giving away the ending. But if you're listening to this before you see the movie, that's not my problem. But right. like, it, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sorry, but I, I mean, there are certain things you can do that order in and be fine. But this movie has a twist. So, you know, sorry, warning, I guess you should probably watch this movie first, but for the most part, I think they do a pretty good job. That's the one pretty big one that I saw. There's a couple little things that they, that, that I write online, but for the most part, they had me fooled the first time I saw it
5: yeah no i mean that's the, that's what i was saying like they did yeah. such a good job of uh of you know once you watch it and you realize it's like oh yeah now that makes sense that he's got that fucking cell phone and which actually even then though that i think that cell phone was a little little too modern for the year 2000 Close enough. yeah maybe uh, i'm wrong hey, was- i didn't ha- i didn't have a cell phone hey, It was better than the but, phones that paul havers yeah. carried a ringside you know that's paul e dangerously my good sir go ahead if you would sir
2: the, the worst part of uh, Peter's death was <laughs> his eyeball for some reason. It looks It so
4: bad. It looks like one of those uh, costume masks you get at Walmart, you know, for like like the one-eyed guy that you get at the last minute for a Halloween party. That's what it looked like.
2: Yeah, it looked terrible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Block now asks, how did you know? He reads off Sam's quote stem, and Sam says he saw a vision. Block thinks he's crazy, basically. Block once answers. Block now asks Peter if Sam ever had issues with authority or had extremist behavior. Block now interviews Molly about their breakup, and now asks Sam about the breakup. Sam says he just had a hunch. Block is now told they're chalking it up to high winds and structural damage from construction. They send all the kids home, and Block tells Sam, I have a hunch I'll see you again. We see a news reporter talking about the lucky eight who survived from presage. We're at the funeral now and there's a nice memorial set up for the victims. Olivia calls them supernatural causes of their deaths. Isaac asks how he explained it. He says he couldn't. Whatever answers you're looking for, I don't have it. Dennis is now speaking at the funeral about the employees. Isaac and Olivia laugh when Dennis says his name even though he's still alive. Peter and Sam walk past Bloodworth who says death. He doesn't like to be cheated. What's that mean, Peter asks. He says to just be careful. Sam is at work now, grinding in the kitchen, preparing food. A waiter brings Sam's food back, saying it is flat, but the head chef tastes it, saying it's good, the customer is just an asshole. Sam shows up at Molly's house in the rain and asks to come inside. She asks to go check the uh, whistling tea kettle. The lights flicker as Sam looks at pictures of he and Molly. She brings in some tea and they talk about what happened on the bridge. Only thing I could think about Molly and getting you to safety. She says he hasn't done anything wrong, and she brings up Paris. She says, life is too short, Sam. Go after what you love. You should take the job, she says. Go to Paris. Now we're in a gymnasium where Peter meets up with Candace. She says she doesn't feel ready. It's hard to concentrate after everything that's happened. He brings up this being the last practice before the championship and her last collegiate practice. I think you got this. She says he's right. Besides, coach would kill me. She goes to the mats and he says, you got this one more time. Candace complains of the temperature as a maintenance guy plugs up a fan with a faulty extension cord. Peter continues to encourage her as she powders her hands up. One of her wristbands snaps and she looks around lost as she hears a gust. Her coach says, now. The overhead fan kicks on and we see water drip below to right beside the faulty extension cord. A screw comes loose from the fan and falls on the beam Candace is performing on. She misses stepping on it, finishing the routine. We see a nice pool of water forming around the cord, but Candace drops her towel there, drying it up. Candace gets on the bars now, and another gymnast uses the beam and steps on the screw. She falls off the beam in pain, knocking the ball of powder over and into the fan. The powder blows into Candace's face, and she loses grip and falls on the ground, snapping her body backwards and dying. Sam is at the gym now and finds Peter. Peter. Peter says she was doing great and almost done with her routine. Why did it happen? It doesn't make any sense. I'm so sorry, Peter, Sam tells him. Sam sees Bloodworth in the distance, as Peter says. Let's just go. All right, Brian, what do you think about uh, Candace's death?
3: Oh, yeah. It looked, oh, man, it looked gruesome. <laughs> uh, but to start out the beginning set of the scenes, I like the bringing back the FBI, having some sort of kind of investigation back into this movie. Um, you know, kind of like the old ones did while yeah, block isn't the most useful character in the world. Um, we won't even get into what happens to the poor guy, but, uh, neither were the agents in the, you know, at least the original one. I can't even remember if the, if there were any agents in the, in the second one, that's how kind of forgettable they were. But regardless, it was a welcome addition to me back in this installment. Um, and Mike brought up Courtney Vance, goddamn legend. Can't even believe you bring up two of my absolute favorite movies that he's been in. And, Hunt for Red October and Space Cowboys. <laughs> that uh, Shit, he line. is a Space Cowboys. My bad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Shit. But I loved that line. I have a hunch we'll be seeing each other again. A friend of the show, Tony freaking Todd being back. Now, I know there's a, a ton of other hints, but personally when I saw him, I really distinctly remember going, huh, they got Tony back. How are they going to kind of tie that back in? Because again, I had zero idea about that twist. So um, anyway, either way, he was a, definitely a welcome addition back. Um, I like the little injection of humor into the funeral scene too. And you know, you'd expect that to come from from Ketchner, and I guess it did indirectly. But him saying Isaac's name <laughs> like he died—I don't know why that cracked my ass up so much. Because um, he's like, "Wait a minute, did he say my my name?" Because uh, that's just such a that's just such a fucking trope in the. Uh, in the corporate world like that. It's just, that's funny. But um, now the restaurant subplot, I mean, you could argue it's kind of unneeded. Uh, but again, I really like it because more character development, you know, in- including that scene with Sam and Molly in the house. Just like I said, good, good character development, I think. And uh, fun little fact, the restaurant that Sam works in is called La Cafe Miro 81. This cafe was seen in the end of the first movie in Paris. So I love shit like that. Um, Now, holy shit, this gymnastic routine. I mean, you see it coming as someone who's seen Final Destination movies and they try to fake you out some with the screws you mentioned um, and everything. But man, that death and the tension buildup, I think, is absolutely great. Bravo to Stephen, Stephen Quayle. Um, now, would Candace have probably just let go of the bar? I mean, yes. It's just practice, right? I mean, so is that realistic? No, but it looked fucking cool.
4: We're talking about practice, man. <laughs> We're
3: talking about practice. Um, but it looked fucking cool. So whatever. The kills in this movie are fantastic to me. And lastly, another really good set of scenes I thought. Um, I like the kind of spiral that kicks off with, with Peter having to – Having to deal with Candace's death right here, again, it gives some character development the others really didn't have. The movie tries to be more than just the kills, and I respect that.
4: yeah, I think this is a pretty solid set of scenes. you know like I you know like you mentioned the kills, to me, each set of scenes kind of has its kill that and i I think each of the kills are unique and very different, and I think they're really well done. And this is no different, but going, you know, going back a little bit, you you mentioned Courtney B Vance. I think he plays this character. So perfect, you know, again, it's just kind of hard because I've seen that OJ show so much to not see him as Johnny Cochran at this point. Uh, But again, he does a really good job with some of this interrogation stuff. Um, And now is it a little formulaic where no one believes them? You know, they think there's something fishy going on, all that stuff. Okay. But I still think it's pretty well done. Um, you know then you get this fucking ratatouille storyline <laughs> which is what i kept calling it because i mean it, it, it felt a little out of place but i guess it again gave some character development that's fine uh, it gave him and molly something to kind of you know kind of t- tussle over for lack of a better term uh, and and i thought it was good you know you mentioned the cafe that's the first thing i said the first time i saw it i said ah You sneaky devils! That's the cafe from the first one. You sons of bitches! I knew it from the from the first time I saw the outside of it. I was like, okay, that's a good little Easter egg there. Good job. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I know I said the bridge stuff is my favorite set in my favorite scene in the franchise. This gymnastic stuff is not far behind it. Partially because it's pretty fucking hilarious. (laughs) Like there's like it's so silly and over the top that it works for me. Um, You know, sometimes you get that silly shit and a horror movie, and I'm kind of like, eh, man. But this had enough suspense on the front end to make this kill and death that is a little silly in hindsight. You know, like you said, just let go of the bar. You know, the way she lands, that that, that thing was only like eight or nine feet off the ground. She probably wouldn't have ended up like a pretzel. But, like, it's still so cool and so ridiculous and over the top to see that I think it works. You know, and I, I I mentioned this shot earlier, the way the camera kind of pans on the screw on that balance beam. If you've ever stepped on anything, you know, especially like a Lego or something, you know, that screw is about to be a motherfucker in her foot. And they did a good job of making me think that, that she was going to land on that. And that was going to be the kill the first time I saw it. So um, kudos to them. There's just all kind of, you know, malfunctions happening around her. So you knew something was up but I did like the way they kind of stuck the landing, you no know, pun fully intended there because she sure as fuck didn't stick her landing. Um, but again, I think, you know, a little unrealistic. Yes, but I still think it works. And I, I think it makes for a pretty fun set of scenes and kudos and Bravo to everyone involved because these kills, even though some of the effects aren't super great are all so creative, so fun, so different, you know, and I, that's kind of a staple of Final Destination where I may not love the story, but the kills keep me coming back. You know, we talked about the log kill. There's a roller coaster kill in this franchise, you know, all the different ones that go on and on, they get more creative as it goes, the same way that I think Saw does. And I think as much as I love the screen franchise, it's kind of the one, the one thing holding that franchise back is it doesn't have those. And this has those. So it kept me entertained the whole time. And I think this is a really enjoyable set of scenes.
5: Yeah, so Brian, I, I got to disagree a little bit. I actually don't like the uh, the FBI agent storyline here. I, I get it. It's a callback to the original, you know, where you had them interrogating, but that one to me was more believable that they would be suspicious because the fucking plane blew up and they're like, how'd you know the plane was going to blow up? But here, it's like a bridge collapsed. How'd you know a bridge is going to collapse? Like there was no explosion. So it's just like there there was no reason for their... To be suspicion of foul play here. Now I, I do get that you know the optics it looked bad and they didn't know there's no foul play I guess. But you know there was no explosion, so how could he have known? I uh, you know wh- whatever it is, what it is. Now then, when you go to the uh, the funeral, I I do think it was funny that uh, when Dennis is up there and he says Isaac's name like that shit was funny. But the uh, the whole sixth sense quote, he's like oh, I see dead people. Nico, that's a movie. Um, Bruce Willis, uh, Haley Joel Osment, anyway. um, That line, and her laughing, and them cutting up there, was out of place to me, because, this is the only instance of, uh, Nathan being comedic, that we get. Like, he doesn't use, comedy as a coping mechanism, throughout the rest of the movie. Um, So it's just like, that was, kind of out of place to me. But, Dennis saying Isaac's name fit because he was calling Sam Stan earlier. So it's like that un uninvolved, detached douchebag boss. Like I get that. Anyway, small nitpick, I guess. Um, now the restaurant storyline was kind of confusing to me. It's like, okay, so he works, he's got two jobs, what is this Kevin Gates? He, he don't get tired. Like to me it was it, it does add character development, but it was kinda unnecessary to me. You could have just had the uh, the company retreat that they were going on, had it been a uh, like you could bring your spouse or significant other thing, and then her, uh, you know, his girlfriend not broke up with him yet, but she was going to take him on this trip, um, and so there it gives him an excuse to be there, and he doesn't have to be an employee of Presage. Boom. Instead, you got him working two jobs. like It just it kind of just muddied things a little bit to me, um, and then. What's more unbelievable than the screw landing perfectly on the balance beam there is the next girl that goes after her not seeing it. Because it's not like, I get it's just a small screw, but the color contrast, the color of a screw compared to the color of the balance beam, like it stands out. And you're not going to look at the balance beam before you get on it, like not not even a glance. Like that was a little unbelievable, but I get it. It is what it is. You got to suspend your disbelief. Um, but man, what a fucking brutal death for Candace. The most brutal in the franchise, in my opinion, and spoiler alert, probably one of my favorites in the entire franchise, so definitely my favorite in this movie. Um, but why the hell would she flip when she dismounts like that? Like she does flips and spins and twirls if the uh you know powder or whatever is blowing in her face and she can hardly see. Why would she just let go? And if she lets go, she's probably just going to go down instead of doing all those flips and rotations. But hey, whatever, man. It worked and it turned out to be a hell of a kill. Anyway, go ahead.
2: Back to Pre-Sage and Sam and Molly are talking and she brings up how quiet it is right now. It's depressing. Olivia asks if they've gotten their bereavement pay yet. Olivia says it's a bummer what happened to Candace. And then she says it's a surprise it doesn't happen more often. Dennis is told he needs to deactivate the key cards for all the deceased employees. Isaac calls Debbie naughty when he sees her picture, and he now steals some change from her desk. He now pricks his finger on a pushpin as he steals a gift certificate to a spa from Robert's desk. Nathan walks inside with some beer he stole from Roy's truck. Peter brings some alcohol for them to share. Isaac is on another call at the spa, and he's checking out the receptionist now. He asks what the certificate covers. She begins to flirt back fakely and takes him to a room in the back. Yum, yum, dim sum, he says as another attractive woman passes by. She lies him down on a massage table and says to relax. Another woman walks in and begins rubbing him. He opens his eyes and sees an older woman and he asks for subtitles. She cracks his neck and starts whipping him around this table. We see a leg of the table loosen up now. Back at the office, they're taking shots and Olivia gets a call. Her ride is here. She knocks over a picture of her and another woman from, the, from them riding a roller coaster. They have a toast and Nathan says to finding new jobs. Molly says to starting over. And now Peter says it doesn't make sense. She dies doing something she's done for 15 years and she says she wasn't ready. Molly says he couldn't have done anything. He now throws the glass against the wall and walks away. Dennis is on the phone with Block about Peter's freak out. Block is at the gym now asking to be shown what happened. The guy from CSI says he doesn't think he could recreate it. It's some freaky shit. Back to Isaac, who is now getting acupuncture. She takes his phone and sets it by a candle as she puts more needles into his forehead. 30 minutes, you sleep, she says. She dims the lights and leaves. A gust of wind in the room and a piece of incense falls on a book below igniting it. Isaac yells out, fire, calling for help. The table collapses and he falls to the floor below and the needles penetrating his body. An alcohol bottle spills over the the floor, covering it. He sits up, gasping in pain. He pulls a needle out and is almost out the room, but his phone rings, stopping him. The candle falls over, igniting the alcohol on the floor. He falls to the floor, thinking he's safe, until the Buddha statue above falls on his head, crushing it. Back to Sam, and he tells Molly she should come with him to Paris. He said she already said she wants to start over. Peter walks in and tells them they're not going to believe this. We're outside the spa and we see Bloodworth. They're saying it's a freak accident. Sam walks up to Bloodworth and asks, why is he following us? He says he's doing his job. What's happening to us, they ask Bloodworth. He says he's seen this before. A lucky few survive a disaster, and then one by one, death comes for them all. You change things on that bridge. A wrinkle in reality. Nathan asks if we're doomed to die. Bloodworth says you were supposed to die on the bridge. You shorted death. You let death have someone else in your place. Then the books are balanced. I don't make the rules. I just clean up after the game is over. Peter says maybe that's why Candace and Isaac are dead. They survived it and death is coming after them. Sam now says Molly survived in his premonition. Nathan isn't buying what Bloodworth is selling. Peter walks away still mad about Candace's death. All right, Brian, that's the next set of scenes I got. Go ahead.
3: Okay, so... Probably my least favorite kill is the massage one. I don't know, you just, I mean I just kind of saw it coming. Plus it's kind of played for laughs. And I mean, look, there's no damn way that statue was doing that to his head. I I mean, it, it wouldn't even have been sitting on those damn shelves if it was that heavy, but I just I did like how they kind of explained why nobody would hear him yelling with his happy ending perf question though. Um, and the practical effects with him pulling the needles out of that fake practical chest were just chef's kiss. Mwah. But the rest of it, eh, it took me out of it, you know, a little bit. And I'll say it—it it is definitely Molly's favorite kill just because of that. But one more positive thing about it, Bravo and the camera angle. That shot where the uh, blood spatters on the camera from the floor point of view looked amazing. Uh, shout out Brian Pearson, who's a cinematographer, two-time DGOT alum himself. Uh, he worked on uh, I Am Legend as well. Listen to that review at uh, don'tgoouther.com. Some really cool little Easter eggs, though, in this set of scenes. Uh, the picture that Olivia knocks off her desk was taken at Devil's Flight, the roller coaster from Final Destination Part Three. Um, and I think that, if I recall, that there was some picture that was a reference to Part Four. But fuck Part Four, so I just I just skipped that. Uh, anyway, the references. I love shit like that. Um, and I hate to say my guy, Bloodworth, given his explanation, I don't know, man. It just, it felt weird here. Like, it didn't have the same effect as it did in the first one. Um, I mean, at least the part where it's like, take a life for a life. It's just, I think that just went a little too far for my liking. Uh, same with the whole, like, street conversation afterwards. But, uh, hey. Also, I didn't shout out the best part of this scene was my man Arlen Escapartes, uh, Nathan, who, uh, Bringing everybody kind of back down to earth again, this is the only subplot of the whole movie that kind of makes me roll my eyes though I don't think you need the whole explanation with the killing someone to balance the book's part like if you're gonna do that, just I mean, just have Peter so fucked up and messed up from Candace's death and just the whole thing that he thinks that with he he just he thinks that 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 with his own head meaning like he comes up with it himself he's not told bubble Bloodworth or anything and it you know he'd not have it be taken seriously you know something with the plot to me i think that would have been better if that made any sense whatsoever um anyway Arlen is also a two time dgot alum having played the goat friday the 13th movie 2009's reboot
4: go ahead yeah, this scene this set of scenes is probably the most forgettable uh of this movie to me. Um, you know, it's got some filler here, you know, in the middle before we get the massage kill, which I like a little more than you. I think I'm already in the mindset to not take this movie so seriously. And so the fact that I'm in that mindset, this kill that's played for laughs, you're correct. It's it's supposed to be a funny kill because it's a dickhead character. Uh I think it works. Like I understand what you're saying, but I think the setup works very. Now what's predictable is the person massaging him, not being this young hot woman, but ends up being this older, you know, lady and, and all that makes sense. But man, I love their interaction. I think it's funny. (laughs) Uh, and you could see it coming a mile away, especially once you started doing acupuncture, but I still think it worked. I think the needles to the chest work, like you mentioned, the practical effects I think are very, very good there. Um, and the acting with with, with the facials of him pulling it out super good the fire I fully expected to be the thing that killed him the Buddha statue falling on him I think is so much better to me than just uh, him being burned alive I think it's something unique and funny and while it's probably the weakest of all these kills to me it still works like I still think it's unique on its own and it has its own legs and to me you know you mentioned Tony Todd's kind of you know what they had him do here i agree but i'm not gonna say that takes anything away from his impact on this movie and the reason i say that is because he's not in it very much but the two scenes he's in very impactful moves the story along and something i like is just the weight of his voice It, it makes everything seem so serious and and very it becomes an emergency like oh, shit, this is happening for real. And and that's what Tony Todd's luscious voice really does. And if you think we have a luscious voice, just go listen to Tony Todd speak. Uh, hopefully soon. Fingers crossed. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I think it's a forgettable set of scenes. You know, one thing I do like, though, is Peter's kind of descent into madness, which we use a lot on this show, so it's kind of become a cliche. But his, like, realization you know, why Candace died and you know, his his way to kind of blame it away on other people and all this other stuff. I you know, you mentioned it earlier in the set of scenes, but it really starts to kind of tick up here. And I think it's it's it works. Also, his last name being Friedkin has to be a nice little Easter egg. Just, you know, considering horror and everything else and you know William Friedkin and all that stuff. So um I think it's a fun it's a fun set of scenes, but it's the, definitely the most forgettable. There's a little bit of filler in in here at least in my opinion
5: yeah i don't have a lot on this set of scenes but i will say just reiterate the fact that man i really fucking hate isaac he couldn't die soon enough um now here we get more of the unnecessary agents block storyline uh like it just it just doesn't it doesn't work for me He, he has no reason to be suspicious because none of this is foul play like it doesn't even appear to be foul play but Anyway, back at the massage parlor. First of all, that receptionist can call me anytime. Jesus, she's fine. Uh, second of all, I agree with what you said. How heavy was that damn Buddha statue, Brian? Like, it's, it's going to smash his skull completely? Like, fucking hell. That's uh, not really believable. Um, I agree with also, also what you said. I had it that Bloodworth's explanation here just fell out of place and weird. Um, didn't really work for me. Now, I love Tony Todd, so I'm not gonna complain about having t- you know Tony Todd. We needed more Tony Todd in this film and in this franchise, but it just uh, didn't really work in this set of scenes with how it was how he was used utilized. But I will say this before I pass it back to you, Nico: um, Another week, another Ford vehicle with a missing Ford logo. Uh, the coroner's van, Bloodworth's van, very clearly a Ford van did not have a Ford logo on the front. What the hell's going on? Does Ford just not want to pay for the advertising? Does nobody want to pay? They can't use a different company or a different uh, motor vehicle? Anyway, go ahead.
2: Alright, Olivia is at the eye doctor wanting to get LASIK eye surgery. She donates her glasses and is taken into the operation room. She asks about the teddy bears on the wall. They're just for comfort to the patients. She grips a teddy bear as she hears a gust of wind. He locks her head in place and puts drops in her eyes to numb her. She's visibly nervous as he puts a device in her eye to keep it open. The doctor now goes to the computer to punch in information, but notices the file is incomplete. The water keg shakes, causing water to fall on the outlet below, which connects to Olivia's machine. We see laser coolant malfunction code appear as the number continues to rise. Olivia reaches for the emergency stop controller, but it falls to the floor and the laser burns her eye. Fuck, man. (laughs) She gets the device out her eye and panics. She uses her hand to save her other eye. Sam and Molly run into the doctor's office saying she might be in danger as they hear her yell. They run into her operating room as she screams in agony, yelling, help me. She takes a step back and slips on a teddy bear eyeball and falls through the window into her death below as she lands on a car. Her eye pops out and rolls into the street being run over. Molly asks Sam to stay with her. Block walks in and says, five systems had to fail for that to happen. He says two deaths is a coincidence, three is a pattern. He says, I know you two didn't do this, but I think you know something. Sam says he doesn't know anything, and Block says to take a guess. Sam says they weren't supposed to survive that bridge, and something is trying to set it right. We're back at Sam and Molly's place, and he says he couldn't sleep. He can only think of the bridge. He now tells her of how the the premonition went, killing the others. They now talk the order, and we're all dying in order. Who died after Olivia, she asked. Now we're with Nathan, who is watching over the plant, and he zooms in on Roy, who he doesn't like. He calls for Roy to come up to the control room. Nathan and Roy argue over hours being cut, and Nathan says, we gotta move. Nathan pushes him where a chain and hook fall through, knocking the grate from under Roy, and he's killed as the hook penetrates his chin and through the top of his head. Peter goes into Dennis's office and, sa- and Dennis says they're shutting down the sales team. Peter tells Dennis Isaac and Olivia are dead. He tells him next that it's going to happen to us too if we don't do something. Nobody's safe, he tells Dennis. I warned you, do whatever you want to do, Peter tells him. Dennis calls Block and tells him what Peter said. Says it sounded like a threat. Peter walks into the plant, and asks what happened. Sam and Molly walk in asking Nathan if he's okay. Peter asks if he killed him. Nathan confesses he thinks he killed him. Dennis walks in asking what happened and a wrench is launched into his skull, killing him instantly. Molly is upset that Sam is actually going to work. He says Isaac died on a massage table. If death comes for me, it doesn't matter where I am. We can't live our lives in fear, Molly. As long as we're together, we'll be okay, he says. He says for her to come after his shift and he'll make her a nice dinner. Sam walks into work and goes back to the kitchen. He's given his orders, and Sam is almost speared as he fears all the basic kitchen items like knives. He gets to his duties, and the head chef says he just met his girlfriend. He asks if he can make her something after. He says yes, but just clean it up. He now asks him about the apprenticeship, and the chef says it's his. And the next set the scenes are the ending. Go ahead, Brian.
3: Yeah, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of Olivia's eye doctor death here. Either, I mean, look, just get this out of the way, fantastic effects, I think, besides the eye falling out of the head, which, come on, you didn't even have the scorch marks on that thing. I don't know, definitely could have done better there, but the scorch effects during the procedure, I thought looked great. I mean, albeit... No practical way that those lasers have that kind of power to cause that sort of thing. I mean, they don't even produce a beam powerful enough to do that. But And come on, they aren't leaving the room like that, meaning the doctors. But, uh, I mean, are we even interested in logic here? No. Um, Also, lose the car running over the eye, unneeded, and I thought looked kind of bad as well. Um, but, But the biggest thing is I feel like that this was just too close to that dentist scene that was in the Final Destination 2. Like, I I felt like that was kind of recycling it. Um, This was just, it was just very reminiscent of that to me and too close to that. Uh, But I love how this plays on that phobia. A lot of people, especially one on this podcast whose name rhymes with Debo, that have this phobia with their eyes. And uh, overall, I think it's a fine addition. And I meant to mention this in the last set of scenes, but I'll go ahead and mention it now. There's actually two alternate death scenes on the the Blu-ray for sure, and I think you can probably find them on on the tube. But uh, at the massage parlor, Isaac does not die because his head's smashed by the Buddha statue, but because he's standing in the puddle of liquid and is engulfed in flames when it ignites. I like that better. Um, And also on this one, instead of uh, having just one eye burned, Both of Olivia's eyes are burned during the laser eye surgery, not just one, um, but she does still fall to her death. It was just a little bit more, uh, would have been a little bit more cringeworthy for our host, whose name rhymes with Debo. But uh, anyway, Roy's death, the struggle with him and Nathan, I thought wasn't really well done at all. I think it showed the acting part too much, which I don't know, that may not make sense, but you know how it's just kind of. I don't know. It was almost like it wasn't a real take. You know, it was almost, it almost seemed like it was a practice. one. I didn't care for, I didn't care how for how it was cut, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, Mostly that one overhead shot that showed them both barely pushing each other and very obviously waiting around for the thing to fall acting wise. So I think that that was, that was just a bad cut. But either way, the kill was awesome. I was like, okay, okay, not bad. And then the rest of the hook went through his head and I was like, oh shit, let's go. Um, So I did like that part. Lastly, that's all I had really uh, on this part of the movie. I I dislike, uh, I probably dislike this part of the movie the most. If I had to, uh, you know, if I had to pick a set of scenes, and I was ready for it to kind of get to the end because at this point, I mean, you've got all the meats and bones, and you're waiting for them to, you know, especially if you're a Final Destination fan, you're waiting for them to figure it out and see if they beat death, basically. Um, I will say, though, our boy Daniel, David Kirshner, Kirshner's death, I thought both of them, like Nico mentioned, both of them were awesome. Um, th- again, just props to the makeup department for those prosthetics with both of those kills. Just I thought it looked great. Go ahead, man.
4: Yeah, this set of scenes has a little bit more of filler dialogue. Again, I like this you know, character development stuff between Molly and Sam, but I almost feel like we get a little too much of it. You know, just like the back and forth. Are they going to stay together? Are they not going to stay together? Are they in love? Are they not? Like, all that stuff just kind of felt like a little bit of a teen drama. And there's there's a lot of that in some of the other Final Destinations. So, I guess I'll let that slide. But just a little bit of a nitpick. Um, Okay. Here's the thing with Olivia's death. It's very unrealistic. Uh, but it still looks cool. What I would have done is not had her fall through the window. Like, I feel like there's a much better way to kill her with those lasers than how she ended up dying. You mentioned the alternative death with both eyes being burned. I think that would have been cool to find a different way for her to not fall to her death because I feel like that's very anticlimactic. I don't think the effects look all that good, especially the eyeball in the street. Um, I, I, it, it's not something that I think was necessary or needed. It doesn't look good either. Um, but, uh, you know, that aside, it's still unique, it still works. Uh, you know, it's better than just you know stab, 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 so I'll take it, but and we're throwing logic out the window here. This is a final destination film, so I'm willing to let it slide. I just wish that it had been a little bit cooler. I feel like there's some really cool stuff you could have done with those eye lasers, uh, whether they're strong enough or not is, is almost irrelevant in this movie anyway. um but yeah, again, you get to this point where you're just kind of ready for this thing to get to what's the reveal what's the big kicker what's the big twist if you will you know as you watch this movie you're like okay come on you know everyone's kind of dying in order and they're finding this out and and all of that and i just feel like this set of scenes kind of drags just a smidge it's not bad or anything it just it kind of makes me lose my interest until we get to him accepting that apprenticeship which I believe, like six minutes beforehand, he said he wasn't going to do. So I don't really know what happened there, but okay. Oh, that, that was a quick turnaround for my man, Sam. But he should accept that apprenticeship where he can go over to France and have a little rat put carrots and celery in his fucking stew. That's right. a boy, Sam.
3: <laughs> <laughs> fucking ratatouille going crazy over here.
5: <laughs> so on this set of scenes, Olivia's death has got to be the most uncomfortable death to watch the entire franchise am i right man laser burning your effing eye and i mean that's not what kills her but it's what triggers it and like holy shit and then she puts her hand up and it's burning her hand that's just uncomfortable to watch uh but then it just fucking turns hilarious when how she gets out of the contraption and she just happens to trip over the uh teddy bear's eye that she popped out earlier and she falls out of the fucking window like a Oh my god, it, it, it looked completely ridiculous and hilarious, but you know so she she actually died by falling out the window, not the machine, which okay that's that's fine, but just the manner in which she fell was completely ridiculous and I hated it. Um, Agent block at this point starting to annoy me. There is no need for him to badger them about what's going on. Tell me what's going on like it's just fuck off dude honestly at this point. Um, Nathan pushing Roy. Like the way they shot it, to me, it, you could tell what was about to happen, and it seemed planned. I wish they hadn't shot it that way. Like you don't have to have the camera up above and then have Nathan looking up, and then like the it, it just you could tell something's about to fall, and he's got his arms extended to keep him at arm's length, and then he shoves him. Like to me, you just had to have him have them standing there, and then just quick in an instant, they look up, something's falling. One of them jumps out of the way. Like Even then, Nathan like shoves Roy so he could jump to safety, and then he falls. Would have been better. But the way it was shot, to me, just made it too predictable. But I do like they kind of salvaged it because the camera angle being below, and it looked like, oh, he didn't fall in those spikes. Okay, cool. And then the camera pans up. Oh, shit. It went, the hook went through his head. Like you said, Brian. Like, holy shit. Okay, I'm back in. But uh, the lead-up to it was a little disappointing. And then <laughs> lastly... Dennis's death is just fucking hilarious. Um, because, like, why, why wouldn't Sam just say it and then, boom, wrench to the face? Like, why wouldn't he tell him, you're next, or let him know, like, what's going on, what he thinks is going on. Instead, he just kind of pussyfoots around, doesn't say anything, and then Dennis catches a goddamn wrench through the face. So... That was kind of funny. Overall though, not a bad set of scenes. Like I'm I'm still I still like where we're going and I'm still enjoying the movie. Um, I just do have my nitpicks.
2: All right guys, here's the ending. Molly and Sam are eating out and he asks her how's her French. He tells her he took the internship. She says she's so proud of him. Knock at the door, it's Peter. Sam asks if he's okay. Says he looks upset. Do you mind if I come in? And he has a seat with Molly and Sam. Peter pours a drink and chugs the wine. He sees the candle flames gust and Sam offers to make him some food. Peter says he's surprised he's here at all, saying he's the next to go. Peter now says he wondered if he could actually kill a stranger to replace their life for his own. He says, yeah, he could. And he went on a walk. We see him walk behind a woman to push her into traffic, but he couldn't do it. He realized he couldn't kill someone who didn't deserve to die. He brings up the others who didn't deserve to die and himself. Peter says none of us deserve to die, but why did you deserve to live, Molly, as he pulls out a gun. Sam flips the table over into Peter as Block hears a gunshot and calls for backup. Peter asks Sam where is she. Sam tries to calm him down, but he says he doesn't want to die either. He shoots an air tank beside Sam and pistol whips him, knocking him out. Peter now turns the deep fires on and the burners as he pursues Molly. Molly grabs a knife for protection as she hides. Block appears, asking Molly if she's okay, but Peter guns Block down from behind. Molly says, you killed him, and the lights flicker. Peter says, it's Sam's turn. Molly tells him to just go, but he says, you were just a witness to a federal agent being killed, so he see, he keeps chasing Molly. Sam jumps into Peter out of nowhere, fighting, fighting him. He tells Molly to go get help. That little jump onto him is pretty damn funny to me, I gotta be honest. The two men fight and Molly jumps on Peter's back as he goes to kill Sam. Peter throws her to the ground and pursues her with a knife. Tell Candace I love her. And suddenly he's speared through the back by Sam. Molly says it's gone and Sam asks if he gets blocks life as as the heated gun fires. Two weeks later they're boarding a plane to Paris and we see the cast from the first final destination being dragged off the plane. Sam overhears the flight attendant telling another passenger about the guy being kicked off saying he had some weird vision. We see the turbine on the wing blow up on the plane, and Molly is sucked out of the plane and cut in half on the wing. Sam is now killed as his body is engulfed in flames. We're at a bar where where Roy's being remembered. Another worker tells Nathan that he had an enlarged blood vessel in his brain that was about to burst. He was going to die any day now. A piece of the plane falls through the roof, killing Nathan as his hand flies to the screen. Clips from the first Final Destination movies appear on screen, as Bloodworth says, "Y'all just be careful now." In the end credits roll, All right, Brian, what do you think of the ending?
3: Okay, so the whole Peter fight and death scene, did the whole death thing? I mean, man, I mean, whatever. It was fine. It was, it was definitely in the movie. <laughs> but uh, again, I would have liked to have just seen him kind of peter i mean go just go crazy and not necessarily be trying to kill molly to trade a life or whatever and just i mean and plus come on i, I kind of touched on it earlier how do you not have agent block shoot peter i mean what the fuck like how do you do my man like that it was just it was yeah i don't know that was bad it kind of made his character kind of pointless honestly during the whole movie because of that that scene that ending of him but um, also, I would just like to say that since Dustin, you brought up that that jumping over the thing being funny uh, since Dustin put out that Freddie Freddie Two TikTok video months ago, uh, maybe years ago at this point. I can't I can't see anyone in this case, Sam, jump off the top rope basically without getting Ray Mysterio's music <laughs> yeah. flying yeah. into my head like it's just hazard of the job, I'm afraid now at this point. But look, fuck all of that. Everything I just said, fuck all of that because this ending reveal that this is a prequel and that they are boarding Flight 180. Fucking genius. Again, I didn't know that this was coming. I didn't have any idea. So this was one of those like standing up at the TV moments when I watched this. I mean, you know you know what I'm talking about right there. Um, you know, I was just like, holy shit, this is a prequel. I don't know. I loved it. It caught me by surprise. I love how well done it was with the footage. And then basically, like I like, I like to say, Back to the future toing it. Um, with the great job of just cutting, great job without use with the using stand-ins as is, is kind of baited out for the different points of view and the new shots. And just look, just great job all around. Just I thought it was really, really cool. Um, now maybe we shouldn't have called it Final Destination 5 if this was a prequel, but hey, hey, okay, hey, naming movies in this in, in a franchise period now. You know, at this point in time, which is 2022, it's just they've kind of gone. It, they've already gotten thrown out the window at this point. So, fuck, it doesn't even matter what the name is anymore. But also, great choice. I thought to have that montage of all of the other movies in the credits. Um, that was fun as shit to watch, too, especially if this was truly going to be the last one, which, I mean, at this point now we know it's not going to be. But then it was it was a nice closing to, to, the, to the series. Um, all in all, I think they landed the ending like a fucking boss. Um, they played them on nostalgia and everything else at this point. I loved it.
4: Yeah, all the stuff that comes before they board that flight, it's fine. Like, it's s- suspenseful and good and, you know, you know, Peter, you know, kind of going crazy and all that stuff. All that's fine. You know, you get the death of the investigator uh, and all that, but it just... It, it all leads to to the reveal here and again very good very suspenseful probably the most intense part of the film but man you could not be more spot on for me i think them making this a prequel that wraps around to the first movie was a fucking boss move and i understand someone not quite having the same feeling like i do like if just because some of the stuff just maybe doesn't line up super perfect. But I think, you know, when the first time I ever saw it, I said, huh, that's interesting. Maybe that's an Easter egg. Oh, they're boarding a flight to France or, you are you know, whatever. Oh, that's clever. That's clever. Oh, shit, it's the same fucking flight. Like, that is really, really cool that that happened in real time the first time I ever watched it. So, I man, I think they just absolutely nailed it. I think the acting – As the, you know, they use some of the stock footage from the first one, but the acting before that, I think is really, it's damn good, you know, as you see, you know, the Sam jump and all that stuff. Like it's really, you know, like you said, it's hard not to have the who's that jumping out. But, you know, uh, I, man, I think it works so, so well. And also, I love this closing montage. One, I'm a big fan of the song, If You Want Blood, You Got It. Probably one of ACDC's best. I think it works. It works really, really well for a montage of Final Destination kills. I think it's it was really a job well done. And again, that was probably supposed to be the last one. So I think what a cool way to wrap it up. I've never really seen that before not not in that same way. And I thought, wow, that's again just kind of that franchise trying to stand out and do something different. You know, all in all, they did a pretty good job of keeping a storyline throughout this movie, not making it just about the kills, but when it comes down to it, that made me invest just enough for this ending to mean something. And I think that's, that's what's so important is it kept my interest throughout, but they, but this end makes this movie memorable to me. If you're a fan of the franchise and, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of this franchise. You know, I believe I gave, you know, average ratings to the first and second one, but, you know, you know, but at the same time, this one, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fighting for, for Final Destination 2 as far as my rating goes. But all in all, I thought a really good job wrapping it up. And it, it, honestly, one word to describe it is fun. It's one of those, yeah. holy shit, that was cool as hell. So job well done.
5: So yeah, on the, on the ending here, um, it, it's okay. Uh, how did Peter even know that Sam was at the restaurant there? Like that was kind of just he shows up, knocks on the door. Oh, hey, you are here. Let me in um i do like the added twist here um of him kind of going crazy and trying to win death game to spare his life and oh we got to sacrifice someone else so that i can live and oh molly i know that you didn't make or you survived you didn't die in the premonition so i'm gonna kill you like i i don't necessarily like that he's trying to kill molly but i do like the fact that uh he's going mad and going crazy and will do anything he's desperate to stay alive so it, it has an added twi- uh Added twist and a an nice little plot there. Um, Agent Block only existed to die right here, and it was just so fucking predictable. Like, Molly's hiding, and she's, oh, she feels so relieved to see the fucking cop, and then he keeps his back turned to the entire kitchen and, and faces her standing in a corner and puts his gun away and gets shot in the back. Like, it was the most predictable death. You could saw that shit coming. And then uh, one thing that did crack me up is he, he's walking through the, uh, Peter's walking through the kitchen looking, and then, like you mentioned, Brian, bam, Sam off the top rope like he's fucking Rey Mysterio Jr. How the fuck did he get up on top of there uh, without making a noise? But I don't care. It was awesome to see him just jump, do a crossbody, and, and take him out. If there was a referee in sight, then that would have been a for sure three count. Um, it was kind of annoying here as they keep struggling and fighting through the kitchen, it was annoying to me how the camera kept panning back to the gun on the uh, stove. And you kept seeing the gun get red and redder and redder. Like you're heating up. Like you keep thinking that the gun's going to play into it. But it just didn't at all. Like it was just unnecessary uh, diversion tactic. And I, it, it, it just didn't serve a purpose. It didn't make me more tense. Because if something, if the gun had killed somebody, it would have been predictable. And it didn't, so it ended up just being irritating that they kept doing it. So they must have showed the damn thing three times. But um, anyway, the last thing I'll say as to the ending was, bravo, hats off, standing ovation, well done, incredibly, uh, incredible revelation that this was a prequel. I love it. They're on the plane, and you don't think nothing of it. But then all of a sudden, boom, you see... Some teenagers freaking out. We got to get off the plane. Got to get off the plane. Uh, like I thought that that to me is the single best moment in the entire franchise because nothing could have prepared me for that uh, the first time I watched it. And so I, I thought that it was very well done. And honestly, it added probably a uh, a half to half point to three quarter of a point at, at the very least to my overall rating just because of that revelation. So overall decent ending that was made even better by an incredible twist.
3: One other thing I wanted to say, and no pun intended, but they, I I really do think that they landed this, uh, this (coughs) ending, but I really, the really and truly though, serious note, I guess the, the Sam and the Molly like death. I don't want to say they're my favorite deaths, but They were like the most meaningful deaths, I think, in the entire franchise. Uh, At least up to this point, I haven't obviously seen the new movie that they're coming out with. But um, like, you know, I didn't realize, I guess, how much character development they had throughout the whole movie. They're so damn likable. They, They just wrote them so good. But so like when they died at the end. And I guess that coupled with the fact that it was on Flight 180 and you're just like, you're having all these emotions like, oh, shit, especially the first time you watched it, like you're talking about. Their deaths meant more to me than any other deaths in the entire franchise.
2: And before we jump into social media, I just want to say that I did not have that shock of the reveal due to the fact that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fellow co-host Brian kind of spoiled it, calling it a prequel whenever we jumped over to my reboot remake month. So I kind of knew what was coming. So I wrote that in my rating as well as like, maybe that's why this one wasn't as high. Cause a lot of times movies, you know, that, you know, if you have an oh shit ending, like it just knocks your overall experience, take a whole few points higher. Uh, so I will throw that disclaimer out there. Uh, let's jump over to social media real quick. We'll knock out Twitter first. Uh, Sean Irwin, big fan of the show. Shout out to him. He commented, don't really have any strong thoughts on this one other than that it was better than the previous one. I feel like 100% of people who have seen both would agree with that. Because 4 I'm is gonna pretty tell you, damn bad.
4: I'm going to tell you something. If you like Final Destination 4 at all, but especially more than this movie, write us in why. I want to know why. Where are my Final Destination 4 fans at? Because I got to be honest. That can't be that meant maybe the people who made the movie and wrote it. And if you did, I'm proud of you. Congratulations on your achievement in Hollywood. But that movie won for me, brother.
2: No, it was not good. Uh, new team member, Kevin Scanlon commented. I dug this one. It was definitely a good bounce back from the final destination. Terrible fucking movie. And that ending blew me away. The first time I saw it, this movie would fall in the middle of the franchise for me. Okay. That's hey, fun,
3: fun fact about Kevin Scanlon, because, you know, I was sending him a few things for, for everything. He came on the team, and this what and this not. His address is 1428. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs>
4: Lucky bastard. <laughs> All right,
2: let's jump over to Facebook now. Uh, another big fan of the show, Abby Renee, commented, definitely not my favorite of the franchise, but the ending had a pretty decent twist. I honestly had to look it up to remember which one it was. One and three are usually my go-to watches when I need a final destination fix. Okay, a little three love. I'm in the same group as you, Abby. I actually like three a lot more than most others do. I think it's just because I have some high school nostalgia attached to it. But Let's jump over to Instagram real quick and knock this out. <laughs> the first comment we got. <laughs> I love the name. Fat Guy Jeff commented. Got a... <laughs> Gotta love Final Destination. I feel like this series is the only movie where it may feel a little cheesy sometimes, but you can still enjoy it. Hashtag guilty pleasure. And legendary blood donor, Missy Hutchison wall commented total guilty pleasure movie. I'm getting a lot of guilty pleasure vibes.
4: Yeah.
2: And Missy also commented some gnarly deaths in this one. The bus bridge scene is great. Look forward to hearing oh, your yeah. take. Oh, yeah. I, I like the bridge scene as well. It was yeah, very I good. That's very, very and, good. Uh, the last comment we have is from Chris underscore 2020, uh, blood donor as well. Totally blew my mind with the end twist reveal. Plus that gymnastic scene still gives me the chills. Dude, anytime you see a bone sticking out the body, I'm, I'm not yeah. a fan of it. That, yeah,
4: it sucks. Uh, uh, really quick, you know, I read a lot online that this, you know, this that franchise is kind of silly and over the top, and I would agree with that. But I think there's a lot of that in slashers. You know, outside of Halloween, which I think unfortunately kind of boxed itself into taking itself a little too serious sometimes, which I get annoyed with Halloween purists for that. But like, you look at the Friday franchise, two of the best films is where it doesn't take themselves so serious. Uh, Freddy, you know, Nightmare 3 to me is the perfect blend of both. You know, Chucky, outside of the first movie, never takes himself too seriously. So I feel like that's a, a very common theme, so... I mean, this is one of those franchises where I just, I kind of have to remove my, I'm watching this to be scared. I'm actually watching this to be entertained. I'm not not—I'm not here to see Midsommar. I'm here to watch people die in cool ways.
3: <laughs> I'm definitely not here to watch that. Oh, days, God really.
4: damn it. The movie was, the you movie was perfectly fine, Brian. You don't Whoa. get it.
2: You don't get yeah. it. That's it. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's jump over to fun facts. Brian, do you have any? I don't have any for tonight.
3: Yeah, I've got uh, four of them here.
2: Um, oh, it would be cool if you had five, not going to lie.
3: It would be. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, so the third film in the series to end with all of the survivors dying, both Final Destination 3 and The Final Destination <laughs> also ended with all the survivors dying. Um, several of the main characters are named after famous horror directors. Uh, ah. Peter, Peter Freakin is yeah, uh, named so after The Exorcist director, William Freakin um Candace Hooper Hooper is named after Toby Hooper who uh, directed both Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Poltergeist of course. That's and, *Chainsaw uh, two. Go. That's right. And uh Olivia Castle <laughs> is named after uh, William Castle who directed both The Tingler and The House on Haunted Hill. Um notice how I just ignored Mike. You uh, know uh Emma Bell <laughs> who played Molly and uh Nicholas Degasto, Sam have both appeared in the TV series Supernatural. I know we have a lot of fans of those uh, of Supernatural that listen. Um, Emma appeared in season five episode free to be you and me. And Nicholas appeared in the
5: season one episode Asylum. So for fun facts, I do have um, at about an hour and 26 minutes into the film, there's a picture of Roy standing next to the number six race car at the bar. And uh, that's a, cool little callback to part four because that's the race car that caused the wreck in that piece of shit movie um we already mentioned miles fisher's music videos but i'm gonna say them again go watch those he's got a song called new romance The video like you said it's a uh, features the cast of this and they get killed in final destination fashion but they're a parody of uh, saved by the bell and he's also got the one with his band uh, where he parodies american psycho definitely check those out Ashley Tisdale actually auditioned for the role of Candace. Um, you know, she did. She didn't get cast in this movie, obviously, but she could get cast as my leading lady. She could definitely call me sometime. I've always had a crush on her. And lastly, uh, the massage spa where Isaac died is called Ming Yun Ming Yun, I guess, which means destiny in Chinese. So that's a cool little uh, cool little tidbit there.
4: I said, hey Tigers. Yeah. Oh, sorry, fired up. That's where I go to. Okay. So this movie had a nice budget of forty million dollars. And it had a box office of one hundred and fifty-seven point nine million dollars. So that probably would explain why eh, it's not it's not the last one. So it made some money back and then some. So I honestly this
2: had a higher box office than I expected. Dang, 40 million. That's a shit ton of money. Uh y'all ready to jump. Not over to you. Truck? That's two pairs of shoes, brother.
3: <laughs> sorry that was a loud laugh
2: it's all good you're you're welcome for that free pair I gave you two <laughs> I know
4: and I'm wearing them right now brother <laughs>
2: <laughs> alright let's jump over to our favorite kill least favorite kill in the rating uh, I'll just go first favorite kill I might be alone with this one but I chose Dennis with a wrench to the face uh, and awesome. I also like his hot tar death the most from the premonition there both of those kicked a lot of ass to me uh least favorite kill. I'm actually surprised that, you know, y'all actually agreed with me in these, uh, in the scene by scene breakdown, but I wrote, I was torn between Isaac and Olivia, but I'll go with Olivia. They should have went all in on the laser killing her. I would have loved that personally. That would have been great. Uh, But, uh, I wrote just like Brian mentioned, I feel like I've seen this kill already, uh, with the dentist office. I was like, come on, man. Just same. But, uh, my rating. I just wrote a little summary, not a terrible flick, or anything, and definitely rewatchable. Much better than four, but for me, the novelty of this franchise has worn off uh, after part three. Some good kills, the bridge scene is cool, and it was great seeing Tony Todd as well. Uh, Speaking of him, uh, let me know, Brian, if this is a nitpick or if I'm going too far with this, but uh, maybe if I'm being too harsh, but his line, a group escaped death, I've seen this before, bothers the hell out of me. Uh, It revealed to be a prequel at the end, And it just annoys me. It's implied that this has just been happening forever, seemingly. Uh, I also had the twist of it being a prequel somewhat spoiled, so I didn't have that shock and reveal, so that may have affected my first viewing. I forgive you, brother. (laughs) My bad! Uh, I can't stand...
3: It just cost a lower rating
2: on my movie
3: that I picked, so there we go. Fuck
2: myself. Congratulations. You played yourself. You
3: played yourself. (laughs)
2: Uh, I Also, I can't stand Isaac. Fuck that guy. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> Nathan not and this this is another nitpick maybe I'm wrong final destination five director writer touch base but Nathan not surviving because Roy had a ticking time bomb blood vessel in his brain bothered me uh that hasn't killed him yet since when is death so choosy about his rules but anywho I'm giving it a, a 575
3: he's death man he does whatever the fuck he wants to fuck you death
2: Bitch. uh <laughs>
4: that's fair uh Okay, my least <laughs> my least favorite kill is also Olivia, just because you know everything I said it, it it feels like we've seen it. You know, jumping out the or you know falling out the window is kind of predictable. Uh, they could have done something really cool with the with the lasers there. I would have went like you know full Terminator and shit, just made it work. I, I don't know, find a way to connect it. But uh, my you know my favorite kill is Candace. Like I love that gymnastics death. I think that's really unique, really cool, very different. Um, while it may not be the most believable (laughs) and it's a little silly, for whatever reason, it just works with me. I can't really explain it why. Um, So, look, I've kind of said what I need to. I I think it's fun. Uh, I think it's a decent script for one of these movies where sometimes you don't always get the best dialogue, the best acting, the best script. I feel like this is a little tight. It works really well. But this movie's biggest strength is the kills. They're all unique. They're all different. And I think they hit on most of them. Throughout the entire film, the beginning, you know, scene on the bridge is fantastic. I think that works really, really well. Great job acting. Uh, I think the effects are what they are. Uh, some are really good. Some are really, really bad. And I think this movie is shot well. When I think some of the or Final Destination three and four are kind of man as far as how they're shot and the look of those movies, I think this kind of brings it back around. And that twist ending bumps this movie up a point. So. I would have given this movie probably a 5.75, but because of that ending and how excited I get even re-watching it, I'm going to bump it up. I gave this movie a 6.75. And also, I just want to comment. I actually liked Prom Night more than the rest of you. I thought it was entertaining. So if you're listening to this in order, you can go back. I thought it was entertaining. I think Britney Snow is great. Love me some Brittany Snow. I can't say my old tagline, but you know what I want to say? If you want to see more, Brittany Snow watch the new movie X. Anyway, uh, but hey, 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 I'm just saying she's a phenomenal actress in that movie. That's it. Anyway, I thought it was fun, so I'm not going to give a rating for Prom Night, but I think it works.
3: Well, I know, but you said you liked it more than anybody else, so like...
4: I, I, saw, I liked it more than... Well, I definitely liked it more than Dustin.
3: Jesus Christ. Do you like it more than a 6.75? No. Okay, well, then you don't like it more than me. Ha! Ah, fair
4: enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I would probably give it about a six. Yeah, be about oh, a six. Okay.
5: All right. So, go ahead and go for my uh, favorite kill, least favorite kill rating, all that good stuff. So, again, like I said, this is a pretty fun movie. Like, I don't dislike this movie at all. I think it's very okay. Um, some of the cast was better than others. Some of the dialogue was bad. Well, maybe not dialogue, but just how the characters themselves were written was bad. Uh, some of the stuff was unnecessary to me. There was some good kills. There was a hilariously bad kill. Um, so, uh, it, it is what it is. I, I would recommend this movie for sure. And the ending, the, the twist that lets you know that this shit kind of ties in and was all together. Like this, th- this kind of led right into Devin Salwin gang getting off that plane. Uh, really liked it. So that salvaged it for me. As far as kills go, my favorite kill was Candace. Holy shit, she got folded. Like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get that image out of my head. Like, that shit's hilarious to me. Uh, God rest your soul. Uh, least favorite kill, you know, I, I hated how Olivia just tripped and stumbled out the window. That was stupid. But that death was not nearly as bad as Agent Block. Having a gun and his one job in life is to stop bad guys. And he gets shot in the back. What a stupid way to go. Um, But as far as my rating goes, like I said, it's pretty okay. It's not great. It's not bad at all. So I'm going to say 5.75.
3: All right. So (laughs) this is actually going to be funny because you guys made fun of the kill at the beginning. But Peter and that whole uh, fake-out kill of the bridge... Um, you know the the rebar through the eyes, it was okay. Um, if you watch behind the scenes and kind of see how the prosthetic was done, maybe I don't know, maybe that's why I liked it more. But my favorite part about it was it was the only one to get that second part because I mean besides the car, but you didn't really see anything. But when he falls off the bridge and hits the hits that bridge and like the blood splatters everywhere before he goes into the the water, I love that shit. Um, and then I already said my least favorite kill, so. Just my little summary. Like again, I said it before. This is my favorite one. Like I thought maybe it was because that I didn't know the twist when I first watched it, and yeah, that was awesome. But I enjoyed it just as much with these, you know, these last few times that I watched it. I mean, we harped on it all review, but let me just say this and rant for just a second. It's very frustrating with the CG because 2011 CG isn't this bad. It's it's that goddamn 3D. And you know, you should make a fucking 3D movie and not also fix it for a 2D release because guess what? It didn't it didn't fucking catch on in the eighties. 3D hasn't caught on yet this century either. So fuck you, 3D. So anyway, worth saying at this point, friend of the show Guy Busick, listen to uh, his review, don't go out He's actually writing the next one. And uh, watch out for Patrick Maroney's next book. Um you know, I think he touched on it some in our interview. Don't com, But I'm not 100% sure if we talked about it off air or on air. So I'm going to just move on. But anyway, I gave the first Final Destination a 6.75. And Final Destination 2, I actually gave a 7.75. I like this one a lot better. I'm going to give it an
2: 8.5. All righty. And our composite rating for this is a 6.6875. And IMDb has a, a 5.9. Nah, what the hunt. fuck do they know? Fuckers. <laughs> with 115,000 ratings as well. So a lot of huh. pretty decent amount of ratings. Brian, you were high on this one. I like that. I do. Any more final thoughts for you just shout out our blood donors?
3: Yeah, the only thing, the only last final thought that I have, and I saw this somewhere, so I can't take credit for it, but I saw it a long time ago. So it's always stuck in my head. I think I saw it after the final, final destination three, how they were like in the, uh, in the theme park with the roller coaster. I want them to do a final destination movie in a water park. I think that would be cool as hell.
4: I oh, love man. water parks. So yeah, I'm in. Let's go. Hey,
2: Oh man. Ne- never, mind. I'll tell you all off there. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> let's shout out our blood donors. We really appreciate y'all. Y'all are awesome. Uh, truly means the world to us that you contribute to us financially, especially how tough the times are right now. Uh, our camper level reoccurring blood donors are Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Merza, Andrew Ferguson, Carrie Adams, the Horror Movie Crew podcast, Alex Seligson, Eric Doolittle, and Sean Irwin. Our camp counselor reoccurring are Hunter Nelson, Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez-Gunn, Joe Swinford, Jennifer Davis from the Too Close to Home podcast, Karen, Heather Smith, and Kylie Denise, all the way from Australia. That's super cool to me. Uh, Our legendary blood donors We have film reviews to do for Are Kevin Scanlon And Michael Azelson And our final guy donors Are Christian Cunningham And Matt Sears Just want to thank y'all so much For your donations It really means a lot to us We really appreciate it Y'all got any final thoughts On uh, Final Destination 5 Before we get out of here? Whammy!
4: (laughs) Friend of the show Friend of the show I'm good I'm excited I'm excited for this month
2: Can't wait yeah i'm really excited for our 31 ranking in general me too i just want to remind everyone to stick around to the end of this episode uh nicholas diagosta he right you know he uh he may have went a little more in depth and talked to us a little bit about this so definitely stay tuned in uh really appreciate him for doing that uh really appreciate all of our fans y'all are awesome uh it's been a great year honestly blowing blowing my mind honestly how good we're doing this year uh Looking forward to Brother Mike's pick next week. You want to announce that real quick before we get out of here?
4: Yeah, this should cause some controversy. We're going to have a little tag team match here on our show. But this was a very divisive movie amongst fans of this franchise. And since we're reviewing or we're ranking the Saw movies within 31 on 31, I figured why not go with the most recent one to technically be in that franchise. I went with Spiral from the Book of Saw. Chris Rock, Samuel Jackson, et cetera, et cetera. I'm excited to talk about it because there is no doubt we are split right down the middle as a group on this movie, and I can't wait to talk about it.
2: It's gonna be a fun, as you say, discussion episode for sure. Yeah, uh, Brian, fun pick. Glad you picked it. Yeah, great. I know yeah you,
4: man, I'm glad I got to revisit it.
2: I know you've been waiting, chomping at the bit to pick it, so I'm glad we got to finally do it. <laughs> so much, uh, so much that I ruined it for you. My
3: bad. Just <laughs>
4: don't, just don't pick four. Or I may come to your house and poop on your door. Step.
3: Do not go
1: out there. Don't you dare go out there. Don't. No, I said stop. Please. No, wait. No, hold on. I have one more thing to say before you go. Don't go out there. How did you know? I, I just, oh, you went out there. You went right out there. Why'd you do that? I was specifically saying not to go out there. And now you've gone out there. And I feel very upset about this because I, do, I cannot t- take care of you or
0: protect you out there
1: because I'm in here.
0: Uh, my name is Nicholas DiAugusto. I played Sam Lawton on Final Destination 5. Final Destination 5, I love that people, uh, the people, there are people that love that movie and love that franchise, and I'm glad they love that movie. It was a cool movie in the franchise. I think, arguably the best. Second best after the first one, I don't know. Sort of like a George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. Is George Washington the best president or is Abraham Lincoln the best president? One started it, one saved it. Yeah, I, uh, what is there to say? One thing is Miles who played, what the hell was the name of his character? Peter, who turns into the bad guy of the the friend group. He, uh, there's a video, he used to write his own songs, I don't know if he's still doing that, but he would make like fun spoof ideas of movies to make videos to his own songs. Um, And he came up with an idea for one of his songs where the cast of Final Destination 5, we played the parts of Saved by the Bell characters, And then we did it as if Saved by the Bell was being, it was in a Final Destination movie, and so we set up the Saved by the Bell stage, and then we all died in different weird ways on the Saved by the Bell set. So if you can find that online, uh, you should do so, if you are a big fan of Final Destination 5, because that's a little insider-y thing that got done. It was like a mini-promo thing for social media at the time. So that's like a fun thing about Final Destination Five. I was thirty at the time. This was a long time ago. I'm forty-two now. We shot it in Vancouver. There were three different stages built for the bridge. One where there was a whole bridge on the on a sound stage. One where we were on a mountain, overlooking a bridge set from up above. And then one where they built a tower, and then we did all the up shots. And they just had us hanging from the hanging from like rebar and stuff like that. So that was kind of interesting because we shot the bridge sequence three different weeks during the shoot. We'd shoot a section of it, then we'd go do other things, come back, shoot a different section of it, that kind of stuff. Um, but it was really fun. I mean, you know, I was, <clears throat> I was young. I was, that was back before I was married and back before I had a kid. And we were just a bunch of kids tooling around, you know. Uh, David Koechner was on the shoot with us. He was very funny. He had five children at the time. He would fly back on Friday nights and then fly back... No, he'd fly back Saturday morning and fly back to Vancouver uh, Sunday so he could be with his family for like 24 hours. And then I later did that on my show, Trial and Error, when I was in Vancouver. So it's crazy, crazy what actors do um, to be with their kids when they're working away. But uh, I actually was scared of my own movie when I watched it. I watched Final Destination 5, I read the script, I shot the script, I knew everything that happened, and then... When I watched it in the theaters with all the CGI, I was totally, uh, I, I'm, I, have a, I have a weak stomach for that stuff. <laughs> it's kind of funny that I was the lead in it. But, um, all right, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Or will we? I don't know. Find me. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, find me on uh, my podcast. You can find me on my podcast, which is a religion podcast, God and Other Delicacies. I ask people how they were raised and what religion they were raised in and then where they are today. So it's not like a dogma thing. It's more of like a, how did you grow up and where are you now? Um, All right, so you can find that anywhere. Take it easy, bye.
2: Just wanna remind everybody.